Welcome to the Twisted Mirror. First off, thank you for all the new reviews that came in. I have had a surge of new listeners these past couple months, and I believe the reviews really help with this. Plus, as a writer, hearing about how my work impacts you is extremely motivating. When I put out Moonlit Bridge Part 1 and 2, I was actually concerned people might not be into it. But then I heard from listeners and how much they loved it, and that really encourages me to push the envelope and continue to deliver out-of-the-box storylines. So you taking out the time to review the show really does make an impact. Between conceiving the storylines, writing the stories, then recording and editing all by myself, a lot of time and effort goes into the production of the show, and I need all the fuel I can get. If you want to support The Twisted Mirror further and get some bonus content, Twisted Mirror has a Patreon. Patrons get episodes several days early, multi-part episodes all at once, and bonus content. There is also a one-time donation option at twistedmirrorpodcast.com, where you can also find links to socials and merch. Finally, if you love these genre and mind-bending stories, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. As usual, content warnings are in the show notes. Now, today's story is downright strange, but I love strange, and I hope you do too. I hope, like Otto and Julieta, that you'll see the beauty in the bazaar. You are now staring into the twisted Have you ever sat at an outdoor cafe or a park bench and suddenly notice the people passing by? Of course, not in the literal sense. I mean, truly observe each person and realize that they once were a little child and that between then and now, they have an entire life story, which may even be extraordinary as a whole or in parts wrapped up in a seemingly ordinary package. It causes me to wonder how many millions or even billions of incredible anecdotes and biographies are lost to time. We humans tend to gravitate towards the grandiose, the conquerors, the powerful, the wealthy. We feel those are the stories most worth learning. And of course, those lives hold incredible tales. But there is something about a quiet life, a life that does not seek attention or notoriety, that fools us into thinking that there is nothing there of value to record. Today's story is about one of those people who you may have passed on the road or on the street without a second thought. The characters don't have material wealth. They did not summit any tall mountains. They did not record any hit singles. No young person aspired to be just like them. And it is a story that would have been lost to time like all the others, if not for our ability to gaze at the twisted mirror. The Schmitz lived a simple, quiet life on the edge of town. It was just the two of them, as it had been since the day they met long ago. They worked hard and kept to themselves, rarely going into town. 
Most might have seen Otto Schmidt and thought him an ornery old man. As he kept most of his communications to simple grunts and was terse, only using the precise number of words he needed to get his message across. But Julieta knew him, and he was not cruel, nor mean. Not any more than loquacious folks with charmed smiles could be. Otto had lived a harsh life back in the old country. He had seen starvation and war and unspeakable acts. It had been a life of constant turmoil. And so, once he could escape the relentless race to survive, he only craved quiet, peace, simplicity. His brusque demeanor was rooted in fear and distrust of his fellow man. For at such a young age, he had seen the worst and had lost so much. Otto and Julieta were hard workers, and they had managed many years ago to buy an undesirable plot of land on the edge of town. They managed to get by on very little, with Julieta's bright green thumb and Otto's knack for fixing things. Their useless land had become a town dump of sorts. For a nominal fee, smaller than any competitor, one could bring an old appliance or long-forgotten items from their shed, and Otto would either find a way to use the goods for their own home or dispose of them in a large sinkhole on the property. It didn't make them wealthy, but they always had what they needed. It sufficed as their primary income when they advanced into old age, when Otto's bones could no longer endure hours of kneeling and bending over appliances and car hoods. The people of the town, for the most part, respected the Schmidt's wishes, leaving them to their own devices on the far outskirts of town. They expected when they dropped off their trash items to not engage in small talk or wrangle back and forth on a price. They simply pulled up, showed Otto their pile, and he named the price or a trade. Take it or leave it. Most took it. The night before a doggy boy arrived was typical, except for one thing. As Otto delivered a cup of tea to his Julieta, who sat on the porch in her rocking chair, enjoying the stars as she did nightly, she gasped. Schmitzen, she said, her nickname for Otto. Look! She pointed to the deep navy sky, freckled with varied sprays of sparkling stars. From it, streamed down a shower of sorts, the glittery trails shooting and plummeting haphazardly towards the earth. They had seen more shooting stars than they could count, distant planets with the naked eye. That was what it was like to live so far away from the lights of a city or town. But this was unlike anything they had ever seen. It was bountiful. Mesmerizing. She reached for Otto's hand and he took hers. They looked at each other once and smiled warmly before turning their gaze back to the spectacle. Otto stood beside her as she rocked in her chair. And together, they watched the meteor shower. 
The moment was pure contentment for Otto, who knew his time with his love was limited. For now, she appeared fine, perhaps a bit more fatigued than usual. But she was sick, her body slowly consuming itself from the inside out. There was nothing that could be done. And so they had decided that she would live out the rest of her days on this piece of useless land they called paradise. The tranquility was interrupted as just 20 yards away or so, a bright orange flame shot down to the earth with a thud, then another, and another. Otto grabbed a lamp off the porch and sped out to find a glinting, smoldering rock. He looked up in awe to witness dozens of flaming sparks landing throughout the open field, each with a thud. Schmitzen, come back, Julieta called out, concerned one of these cosmic rocks could hurt him. He hesitated, but when he saw her rise out of her rocking chair to retrieve him, he retreated, for he did not want to put her at risk. Can you believe your eyes? she asked. No, my dear. Otto was amazed, just like his wife. But he was also concerned that one of these red-hot chunks of space rock could start a fire in the dry brush of a midsummer evening. The shower finally ceased. Otto felt a moment of relief that they had managed to dodge a wildfire. He placed Julieta's afghan across her shoulders, placed a gentle kiss on her temple, and sat down in his own chair beside her. They rocked back and forth in thoughtful silence when he smelled it. The stench of burning. Otto, still spry and lean for a man of his age, sprang up to his feet. There's a fire, my liebe. He hurried to the 4 by 4 he used to traverse the property, something he rebuilt from many discarded parts to search for the source. Schmitzen, should I ring the fire department? Julieta asked. Otto hated company, even if he needed help. He could solve this on his own, he thought. No, Liebe, just wait here. Do not hurt yourself, Schmitzen. Don't be too prideful. She knew him well enough to warn him, but also to step aside when he had his mind set. Otto drove around using his nose as his guide, but perhaps more than that, his instincts. The smell, it was not simply of burnt brush or earth. It was the smell of burnt rubber and metal. It had to be the sinkhole. He trained the bright lights of his vehicle towards the hole and saw the stream of black smoke rising from its center. It wasn't too bad yet, but it could grow quickly. Over the years, countless unwanted items had been discarded there, swallowed up into its endless bottom. He did not want the toxic fumes to reach his Liebe. Thinking on his feet, he ran over to his earth mover, an essential piece of equipment for dumping large items into the hole, and began to dump dirt into it. He moved the machine with an impressive level of grace and stealth, having used it for so long that it was like an extension of his body. After an hour of dumping into the hole, 
he seemed to have managed to smother the fire. Julieta waited faithfully on the porch for his return. I was worried, Schmitzen, she scolded. Otto, sweaty and covered in dirt, told her everything was taken care of. She insisted he undress so that he would not drag the mess into their house and so that she could put his clothes in the laundry. Otto showered, put on the pajamas his Liebe left out on the bed for him as she did every night, just as she left his clothes out for him in the morning. He opened the pillbox on the bathroom counter, poured a glass of water, and set the pills with the water on the nightstand beside Julieta. You always take care of me, my Schmitzen, she said. Despite the eventful night before, the following day was as mundane as any. Julieta attended to chores and canned some of her recent harvest. Otto checked on the sinkhole, took in some old car parts, and another person paid to have him take in a perfectly good sofa. The bones were solid, something that someone paid a pretty penny for decades ago. He thought he would reupholster it for Julieta as a surprise. He was almost as good as she was with a thread and needle. That night, their evening routine was the same. He brought her her tea, and they enjoyed the frantic quiet of the bugs and birds as the sun set. The night skies were still, cloudy even, and Otto welcomed the lack of excitement. He had seen enough stars and space matter to last him the entire week. Otto set Julieta's pills and water on the nightstand. They turned off their lamps. Good night, Liebe. Good night, Schmitzen. Later, though, Otto was awoken by a sound outside. Those damned raccoons, he thought. Julieta remained undisturbed. Her pills put her in a deep sleep. Otto didn't mind so much if the raccoons kept to the area around the sinkhole. If anything, he was happy for them to clean up random food waste. But Julieta's garden was off-limits, and it enraged him to no end to see her efforts stolen. The fire must have pushed them closer to the house. He grumbled under his breath, and he marched to the porch and put on his boots, grabbing a lamp on his way to scare off those critters. As he turned the corner to the garden, he was surprised to see it completely unoccupied. His ears continued to follow the sound. A grotesque chewing noise. One that made him shudder. Otto didn't get disgusted easily. He dealt with trash for a living, after all. As the lamp followed his ears, it led to the compost pile. And the glow revealed a creature hunched beside it, the likes of which he had never seen before. He gasped, and the thing took notice of him. It did not have eyes, but he felt they were staring at each other. It was small, smaller than a raccoon, its body seemingly an amalgamation of waste products. One arm, if you could call it that, was a long, rusty serving spoon. The other, a splintered chair leg. Its smoldering body was a blob of sludge and dirt. Patches of random hair, 
the kind of hairballs discarded from a used brush or extracted from a plug drain covered its head and body in patches. Pieces of dried grass and twigs stuck out of it every which way, as if it was formed from a collection of things that had been thrown in the hole. Otto, unwilling to pay for municipal trash services when he had a perfectly good sinkhole of his own, used it for their household trash removal. All manner of waste, their nail clippings, hair, dead animals found on the property, anything one could imagine, had gone in there. Normally one to take immediate action, Otto remained in shock until the smell of it wafted over to him, damp and mildewy with a touch of rot and burnt hair. Was this some sort of sick animal? A severe case of mange? Impossible. His eyes moved over to the compost pile and he realized that this thing, whatever it was, preferred the collection of decomposing organic matter to the lush garden that was just feet away. The stench helped him snap out of the fog and he marched back to the house to grab his gun. Whatever that thing was, it needed to be put down. As he grabbed the shotgun, he had a moment of hesitation. He should show his wife. They shared everything, and she would knock him over tomorrow if he did not wake her and show her this incredible sight. Besides, a flicker of doubt told him he needed her approval. Whenever he felt doubt, which was rare, he always deferred to Julieta. Liebe, Liebe, he whispered as she shook her vigorously. What is it? Is, is everything all right? She asked him in a daze. Yes, but I need to show you something. I hope it is still there. At this time of night? What is it? I cannot explain. You must see. Come. She slipped on a house coat and followed Otto, offering a side glance when he grabbed the gun. There is something out there, at the compost pile, a creature I have never seen. You must see it for yourself. Her curiosity peaked. Julieta sped up to follow him. When the light shined on the creature, he placed a finger on his lips as she returned his expression with her own cautious curiosity. Oh my, she said, as the light shined on the thing. It dropped the half-eaten rotten carrot it was consuming and began to quiver. What do you suppose it is? he asked. I have no earthly idea. It, it's not, its arm is a spoon. It appears to be made of... She hesitated to find the words. Trash, Otto whispered back. Otto raised his gun towards the thing. Julieta placed her hand on the barrel. No. She took a few cautious steps forward. Shh. What are you doing, Liebe? Otto hissed. They did not know what this thing was or what it was capable of. Can't you see? It's frightened, she said. You know what frightened animals do, Otto replied. This is no animal. This is something else, she muttered, stepping closer. Otto turned his nose as a breeze lifted the thing's putrid odor towards them. 
Liebe, please stop. You're being foolish. What is the worst that can happen? I'm already dying, Schmitzen. Just leave me be. She swatted the air towards Otto. Julieta inched closer and closer as the thing quivered uncontrollably. Just a couple of feet away, she could see its composition even more clearly. Pieces of plastic, cloth, and lint were enmeshed into its being. Who knows why, but Julieta felt not disgust, but sympathy for the grotesque creature. It meant them no harm. It was simply feeding, and not even feeding on good food at that, but waste. To test her theory, she went over to her garden, plucked a ripe grape tomato and tossed it towards the thing. It used its spoon arm to poke at it, but quickly became disinterested. Wait here, she said to a flabbergasted Otto. She returned with some spoiled milk and a small bowl. She often saved it for tenderizing meat or to make cheese. She placed it gently on the ground at a safe distance from the thing then stepped back. Liebe, shh! She silenced Otto. Go on. It's okay. The thing, as if somehow understanding her words or tone, trepidatiously placed the splintered chair leg forward, then the spoon, dragging its revolting body towards the bowl. It lowered itself towards the old milk and dipped in an old straw which stuck out of its body. What followed were hideous slurping and belching sounds as it drank up the spoiled milk. Like a plant saturated with water, some of the milk excreted from its body. Otto muttered words of disbelief to himself. We will not kill this thing. It is just a scared baby. It only wants rotten old things. Liebe, you can't be saying we will keep this thing around. Julieta turned to him, the thing now feeling secure enough to return to the rotten carrot it had dropped. It had no visible mouth, so it slowly pushed the carrot into its mass, as wet crunching sounds indicated it was somehow consuming the food. She cupped her husband's chin. Schmitzen? We will not hurt something that has done us no harm. That is not who we are. She glanced back down at him. He reminds me a bit of a dog, no? Otto observed the grunting, mangled mass of discarded waste. He didn't see it, but then again, he never cared much for pets. A mangy dog. Doggy boy, she smiled. That is what we will call him. He didn't know if it was a boy or a girl or if it even had a gender. But long ago, they had a boy. A stillborn. After that, they were unable to conceive again. While it had devastated Julieta at first, she had learned to move on and find contentment in other ways. Otto decided he would not fight her on the name. Doggy Boy became a project for Julieta. They agreed he would not be let into the house 
His odor and the trail of wet debris he left behind was not suitable for a household. He seemed to disappear during the day. Following his tracks, Otto confirmed that he went into the sinkhole. They thought it was no coincidence that this thing came about the day after the meteor shower caused that fire. They were simple people with no formal education. They did not understand how or why this could happen. But they were not idiots. They knew if they told anyone about Doggy Boy, the government and scientists would descend on their home from far and wide. And so, they decided Doggy Boy would remain their secret. At night, as the sun began to set, out of the brush, Doggy Boy would emerge dragging its gnarled body by its mismatched arms. At first, the thing stayed at a safe distance, but Julieta would throw scraps at him. The more rancid, the more enticing it was to Doggy Boy. Within weeks, he was growing, thriving even, and the creature began to rest at the bottom of the porch steps when they sat out on their rocking chairs. The Schmitz grew to tolerate his aroma, one day, when he emerged from the brush, he had a new appendage. An old, dried-out animal bone seemed to now serve as a third limb. The next morning, Julieta insisted that Otto throw a pair of tongs into the sinkhole. He thought it was silly, but she was the boss. And much to his shock and her satisfaction, Doggy Boy returned that night. The splintered chair leg had moved so now the tongs and spoon were his arms and the old bone and chair leg were his legs. He was now moving more like a dog than ever before. Otto was shocked at how, over the months, Doggy Boy had brought a strange new energy into their lives. He was not as fond of the creature as Julieta, but caring for it had brought a sparkle to her eyes and he hoped that tending to this thing would give her the will to fight the disease that was slowly but progressively making her weaker and weaker. Once every two weeks, Julieta would give Otto a haircut, and she would save the clippings, along with that of their finger and toenails. Oh, how Doggy Boy loved to eat them. Before they enjoyed their evening tea on the porch, Julieta would sprinkle the bag around and Doggy Boy would gnaw on and ingest the goods. Slow down now, Doggy Boy, she'd say with a chuckle. She made a special trash pile separate from the compost with all sorts of delights. Eggshells, dead vermin, bodily waste, dirty sink water, rusty screws. When they butchered meat, they'd set aside some parts for the pile. He enjoyed the parts of the animal considered least desirable to most humans. Bones, connective tissue, gristle, eyes, teeth, brains. It became a little game for the Schmitz to make the pile as revolting as possible. Each night, they would leave a scoop out for Doggy Boy. They continued to throw things into the sinkhole for him to build himself. He didn't always use them, or perhaps he consumed them they didn't know but he did add a monocle to what you would call his face, along with a discarded animal jaw. It made it easier for the creature to eat rather than just using a straw and absorbing the solids directly into its body mass. 
With the addition of the jaw, he could eat more and as a result, he continued to grow. At about three months, he was the size of a medium dog. One night, as they rocked back and forth amongst the squelching and grunting noises of Doggy Boy enjoying his dinner in the background, Julieta spoke. I worry for him, Schmitzen. Oh? He continues to grow. Will he wander off? Certainly someone will kill him, or worse, capture him. He goes back into the hole every night. We give him what he needs. He has no reason to go. He will stay with us. You worry too much, Liebe. They gaze up at the sky that delivered their boy, in peaceful solitude, until the sound of something running towards them interrupted. In seconds, out of the brush came barreling a large black Labrador, gunning right for Doggy Boy. Doggy Boy saw him coming just in time to dodge the first lunge. The dog froze, its hackles up, baring its teeth. Doggy Boy was frozen as well. They were locked in a stalemate. A shot rang out and the dog ran away. Otto always kept a pistol on his hip since wild animals were known to traverse the property on occasion. I'm going to call Dunbar and tell him this is the last time that stupid dog of his runs up here. That thing should be culled. How many times would that dog attack someone or kill someone's chickens before someone does something? That's when he noticed Julieta on her knees, embracing Doggy Boy. It didn't matter that he reeked or that she would be covered in detritus and rot. She only wanted to comfort her boy. He watched quietly as she loved an unlovable thing. And for the first time, he did not simply see Doggy Boy as a way to appease his dying wife. He felt protective. He felt fear that they had almost lost this hideous thing. After that incident, the Schmitz did two things. Otto called Mr. Dunbar, a most bellicose man, and issued a stern warning. If your feral dog trespasses on my property again, it will be the last time. Dunbar laughed. Julieta gave Otto a large, sharp knife to throw into the pit. When Doggy Boy returned that night, the bone leg was gone, replaced by the knife. Most things stayed very much the same for a while, but some things did change. Doggy Boy grew still, now almost the size of the large lab that accosted him. Julieta slept more these days. She had lost weight. Her garden was going limp. Otto now had to help her out of her rocking chair, and for her to go to bed, she would have to sit first, and he would have to lift her legs so that she could lie down. Doggy Boy would rest at her feet every night after the attack, when he was done with his supper. Otto wasn't sure if he could feel love, but if Doggy Boy did, then he certainly loved her. They went about their routine until, as often as the case with routines, it was interrupted yet again. Otto shot up out of bed. 
He had always been a light sleeper, but he feared he was too late when he heard the barking. Doggy Boy stayed out later and later these days before retreating to his sinkhole. He ran to grab his pistol and flung his front door open, frantically searching for Doggy Boy. There was a whimper and then a snap. Otto's breath hitched. Was he too late? In the darkness, he followed the noises until he came upon the scene, lit by the full moon. Doggy Boy was over the dog, his new knife leg shimmering with blood, his powerful jaws chewing on a bone. Otto bowed his head with a mixture of relief and concern. Doggy Boy was capable of killing and eating pets. Otto thought about keeping the incident away from Julieta, but he had never kept a secret from her before, and he knew she would sniff it out in an instant. Julieta simply nodded and said, I wish it hadn't happened, but Dunbar should have protected his dog. It's his fault, you know. Doggy was only protecting himself. And then there is no point in letting the meat go to waste. What Doggy Boy could not finish that night was added to the rotting trash heap that was his food supply. It was a little more than two weeks later when, just as they sat for dinner, there was a loud banging on their front door. The Schmitz had just sat for dinner. To intrude so rudely and aggressively was a great offense to Otto, for whom peace and quiet was valuable. Where's my dog at, old man? Dunbar said, as soon as Otto opened the door. Dunbar had a poor reputation in town, but Otto managed to rarely cross paths with him by design. That is not my concern, Otto responded. You would know if you did not allow your dog to roam around, killing people's cats and chickens, nipping at children. Dunbar raised a finger at Otto. You threatened him. I don't care if everyone gives you a pass for being a grumpy old man because they like throwing their junk in your dump of a home. For Christ's sakes, it smells like shit out here. A gust of cold wind blew by. It was late fall and already dark. I don't know about your dog. Now go. Otto tried to close the door when the man grabbed his collar and pulled him onto the porch slamming him up against the exterior of the house. There was a time Otto would have fought back, but this man was 50 years his junior and 50 pounds heavier than he. Fighting is a young man's game. By now, Julieta had made her way to the front of the house, a cumbersome task with her declining health. She reached out to coax Dunbar off her husband and he shoved her away. Julieta was frail and unable to balance herself. She hit the frame of the door and fell over. Liebe! Otto called out. Dunbar, who hadn't intended to knock Julieta over so violently, released Otto. Otto shoved Dunbar away and ran to his wife. I I'm fine, I'm fine, she insisted. But her eyes widened as she looked up at Dunbar. He was stunned and Otto felt relief in that perhaps this town bully had an inkling of remorse. But something about how his expression remained frozen unsettled Otto. He slowly rose to his feet, 
just as Dunbar began to cough up blood. Otto looked down to see a dark puddle form beneath the man. It was then he noticed Doggy Boy pulling his knife leg from Dunbar's rear flank. The position was much like the way a male dog urinates and Otto was stunned, but impressed by his mobility. Doggy, no! Julieta cried out. But it was too late. Otto knew it was as soon as Dunbar collapsed with that permanent expression of wide-eyed shock. He didn't blink. Not even once. Otto tried to reach for a pulse, but Doggy jumped on Dunbar's stomach, the knife and chair legs stabbing into his belly as he used his jaw to rip into the man's throat. He loved rotten things. Otto staggered back and looked over at his wife, shock and confusion painting her face. The Schmitz did what they did with Dunbar's dog. They added his meat to the pile, seasoning it with thyme, just the way Doggy Boy preferred. Otto broke down the man's car to its smallest parts and destroyed the pieces. In truth, the town was relieved by his disappearance and did very little to investigate his whereabouts. Julieta was bruised and achy for days, but miraculously had no severe injuries. Otto knew he and his wife would have to make a difficult decision. Liebe, he has tasted human flesh. Instead of looking up at the night sky as she usually did, she looked straight ahead. I know. We must do something, Otto replied. Julieta remained silent for a while. I don't believe he would hurt anyone who was not rotten in some way. But we cannot afford to find out. Neither can he. Otto didn't have the heart to suggest putting Doggy Boy down if that was even possible. He only ever wanted to make her happy. And she had so little time left. We could chain him. Keep him in the shed, he suggested. That is no life for him. What choice do we have? Julieta knew in her heart Otto was right. They expected Dunbar to have control of his dog, and it was only right that they contained Doggy Boy. It was not fair to ask Otto to live under the constant threat of Doggy Boy running loose, though she loved the thing so. The next day, Otto cleared out the shed and did his best to make it comfortable. Instead of the food on the porch, they put it in the dark, dingy shed and directed Doggy to it. Otto secured a chain linked to a cuff that would be designed to go around Doggy Boy's neck, as he wasn't sure anything else would work. After all, Doggy appeared to have no issues swapping out limbs. Julieta linked her arm into Otto's, her other hand rested on a cane. Doggy trusted them deeply and followed them into the shed without so much as a grunt. I'm sorry, Doggy Boy, but we have to do this. It is for your own good, Otto said. He could feel that Julieta was crying without even looking at her. It sickened him to make her sad. Doggy didn't resist. 
He simply bowed his head, with his patches of brittle hair sprouting throughout. He looked up at Julieta. Are you my mother? Otto's heart nearly escaped his chest. He looked over at Julieta, who had covered her mouth as tears streamed down her face. Doggy Boy looked over to him. Are you my father? He asked. Otto, a man who had not cried since he was a baby, for the terrors of his youth had not allowed him such luxuries, dropped the collar, fell back into the dirt, and wept. Julieta ambled over to Doggy Boy, her one free arm trembling as she supported her weight on her cane. She could no longer lower herself to the floor, but she stood over Doggy and weaved her finger through one of his fetid, crusty hairballs. I am, my sweet boy. I am. They could not do it. They could not chain up their monstrous boy. They decided they would have to trust him. In the following weeks, Julieta grew weaker. Finally, a doctor visited and confirmed. There wasn't much time left. She could only be made comfortable until her body could no longer go on. She didn't see Doggy as much in those weeks as she lay in bed almost all day. But occasionally, she made it out to the porch. Doggy didn't say much since his questions in the shed. But whenever he saw her, he would get excited, his metal and wood limbs thudding against the wood porch, which was now peppered with little nicks from his knife leg. Mother! he would simply say. Then, Julieta stopped visiting the porch. Otto could sense Doggy Boy was sad. He picked at his rotten food pile. He barely touched the hair and nail clippings that were normally his favorite treat. Julieta slept the days away. The pain medicines kept her drowsy. But after days of seeming like she would slip away at any moment, she awoke. My Schmitzen, she whispered, you must promise me something. Of course, my Liebe, he whispered. You must take care of Doggy Boy, protect him. Yes, my Liebe. And one more thing you must do. It will be difficult, but you must promise me. Whatever you wish. Give my body to him. Feed him. Otto became fraught with despair. Oh, my Liebe. I beg of you, you must promise. Julieta replied. I don't understand. You are not his mother. She simply responded. I am here now with you, my Schmitzen. But when I am gone, I will just be flesh and bone. To burn me would be a waste, 
To bury me would be to feed me to the maggots. I would rather go to him. Otto, who had held strong for his wife, finally cried for her. What will I do without you, my Liebe? I am happy you will not be alone. Julieta closed her eyes. She did not speak again. After Julieta died, Otto let her body remain in the house for days. He did not spend his nights on the porch, only leaving out food for Doggy Boy. It was always gone by morning. Otto simply sat there and stared at his love, his Liebe, her dying wish echoing in his thoughts. It took him three days to summon the strength. But he had always done what she had asked of him. It was his joy in life to make her happy. And the only thing left to do for her, the final thing she had asked of him, was this. Otto carried her withered body out to the porch and laid it down just as the sun was setting. He was certain that the vile sickness that had ravaged her body would make it a delicacy for Doggy Boy. Darkness descended. Doggy Boy emerged from the brush. At first his body perked up, but then he ran to her when he realized that she was gone. Doggy shrouded Julieta's body with his own and let out a type of wail that Otto had not heard from it or any person or creature before. Otto was grateful that at least one other living being on this earth understood Julieta's greatness. Not the kind we tend to define with a list of accomplishments or material wealth or fame, but the quiet greatness that goes unnoticed every day, except by those who experience it when they need it the most. Kindness, loyalty, understanding, generosity, pureness of spirit. Julieta saw not a grotesque critter, as most would, but a lone, terrified little thing that deserved a chance to thrive. Her greatness was why, despite all the horrors Otto had witnessed, he still found the capacity to love even if it was just one person, even if it was a putrid little beast. He wondered how many people like Julieta vanished into oblivion. Their mundane yet powerful acts never cataloged in any history book. Otto was grateful that in this simple yet meaningful life they led, she did not disappear into only his memories. That this otherworldly being, whatever it was, of all the billions of people on this planet, chose her to be his mother. In that instant, he understood why she had asked him to make her that promise. 
Goodbye, my liebe, he whispered. Otto simply nodded towards Doggy Boy, who lay there with his unsightly head, somberly resting on Julieta's corpse. Take a, he said, before opening the screen door to step inside the house. Otto stopped and turned to say one final thing before closing the door. You are a good boy. <laughs>